Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Play, Think, Grow podcast. So why do we call it that? Let's get to that in just a bit. I have to tell you, I feel a little guilty about being so excited given what's happening. But the school closures, it gave me the impetus to finally get my podcast off the ground. The PTG, Play, Think, Grow podcast, will cover any and all things education related. I really want to help parents feel better connected to their child's education. And I also hope to be able to talk to teachers, other professionals, pretty much any team leaders, because we're all educators in our own regard. So this is what I have in mind for the format. I really want the show to be interactive. So the first third of the show will be me answering questions. You can go to facebook.com backslash straight A consulting and just type out whatever questions you have that's education related. The second and the third of the show, I'll choose a topic to talk about. Probably about 10 to 15 minutes worth. Instead of just listening to me babble on all the time, I even have a few guest speakers planned out. The last third of the show will be just me sharing some resources or videos of things that I'm talking about and even to present some challenges to educators and parents. Now, since this is the first episode, instead of answering questions, I want to use this opportunity to introduce myself. Again, my name is Chi Ni, and I've been an educational consultant for nearly 20 years. I've worked with students, with parents, with teachers, schools, professionals, pretty much everybody under the sun. Now, the reason I'm doing this podcast is because a lot of people ask me questions, and once I get going, a lot of the times I run out of time, or sometimes I just overwhelm my audience. So I wanted to find a good place where I can share my knowledge and experience. Due to all the school closures from the coronavirus, a lot of new questions and concern have popped up. So this is where we're going to begin. Now, before we continue any further, let's quickly talk about the three pillars of my philosophy. So these three pillars are the foundation of my pedagogy. Basically, my way of teaching or my way of approaching education. Everything's accumulated from what I've learned, from what I've read and experienced in my 20 years. If you understand these three tenets, uh, most likely what I say will resonate with you. If you do not, I hope this will give you better insight to where I'm coming from. The first pillar is that education has to be experiential. In other words, we have to be experiencing what it is that we're trying to teach. Education cannot simply be the relay of information. Now, I can go into an entire tangent about how some people feel like intelligence is based on how many facts you can memorize, how much vocabulary you have. It is a part of it, but I feel that education itself is not simply the passing on of said information. Instead, education allows the student to understand a concept through experience. Think about it. We all learned not to get burned by fire, not because our parents said, don't touch that, it's going to burn you. Remember that dysfunctional relationship you had in college? Everybody told you, don't be involved with that person. But yet, we still had to experience it for ourselves. So education is something intangible. It's a process. Now, 
that makes it difficult for certain people to wrap their heads around it because they want to think of education as the culmination of test scores, of math facts, of grades. But in reality, education is just an ongoing process. You're still learning today in your work, in your family life, in your relationships. The second pillar of my philosophy is that education has to include the ability to make mistakes. I read this quote somewhere online and I can't properly remember who said it, but basically the quote was, we avoid making mistakes through experience, but how do we gain experience? By making mistakes. And as I said before, education is a process and part of that process needs to include the capacity for the student to make mistakes. Remember, how do we learn not to be burned or not to be in dysfunctional relationship? We made the mistake of doing it. Look, pain is part of that learning process. It's a survival mechanism, if you will. It tells us, whoa, 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 don't do that anymore. It hurts. Now understand, I, I'm not advocating to purposely apply you know, corporal punishment or emotional pain. I'm just saying we need to remember that it is essential to the learning process. A lot of parents come up to me and ask, how come my son or daughter doesn't know what they want to do? Well, you have to remember, this is the generation of cancel culture. A culture where as soon as anybody makes a mistake, people point them out for it people ask them to resign or quit. It's no wonder that our students, our child is scared of making a mistake and in fear that we would reprimand them for it or they would be made fun of for it. And this ties in to the third pillar of my philosophy, which is you have to be a part of education. Get it? Uh, I'll say it again. You have to be a part of education. It's not as catchy as there's no I in team, but it's what I came up with. Now, I know that you're all very willing participants in your children's education, which is why you're here today to try to learn more, find out more. But I'm coming at it from a different point. So when I started a robotics team about eight years ago, we learned that the students were very good technically, but in terms of teamwork and time management and things of those sort, the soft skills, they were not very good at. So I redesigned our robotics curriculum to be one where it taught them things like how to communicate with your team members, how to overcome obstacles when there's a difference in opinion. And we would start all classes by calling in the parents and asking them, are you okay if we're teaching these soft skills to your students? And of course, the response was always a overwhelmingly, yes, we definitely want our kids to learn this. What was interesting is that we went to our first robotics competition and I told the students uh, in the very beginning of the day, I said to them, look, we're here for you. So therefore, it is your responsibility to understand when things are going to be happening and to get your team to where they need to go. My job here is to assist you when you need it. So if you have any questions, come ask me. But here you go. Here is your schedule. Our team had a presentation at 11 o'clock 
and at 10:55, uh, they were doing what most middle schoolers were doing, which was playing on their phone. At 11:10 or so, one of the students looked up and asked me, "Oh, Mr. Nee, what time is it?" And I told them it's 11:10. And sure enough, they freaked out and ran to their presentation. Unfortunately, there were other teams there. Everybody was on a very strict timeline, and so they missed their presentation. This got back to their parents, the parents that were there at the competition, and one of the fathers came up to me very stern and said, "Why didn't you warn them about their time?" And I said,、oh, "I thought we were in agreement that this is their responsibility." And he was very upset. And he says, "Yes, but they missed." Their their presentation, so they're going to miss points. And I said, well, they will miss points, but it is a good learning experience. They learn through their mistakes, and I can promise you, they will not do it again. But unfortunately, this was not good enough for the parent. In fact, this turned into a giant problem because the parents of all the students ended up calling a meeting. And they decided to tell me how it was wrong to let the student self-govern themselves. But what was funny was that the student, who was also part of the meeting, actually told the parent that they liked the way that I taught because they realized and they learned more things about themselves when they were doing it on their own. So this pillar about you having to be part of education is that I hope that the parents will understand it's not just enough to sit on the sidelines and tell the teacher what they're doing incorrectly, telling the student what they're not doing. But instead, I hope that you will be a part of the first two pillars. So I would challenge most of you to experience the things that your students are experiencing, and that includes learning something new. That includes doing homework, or what I like to call challenge, because let's face it, who wants to do homework? So when you are doing these things, you will understand what's going through your students' mind, what fears they're facing, and you can better address it that way. This third pillar is me asking the listeners to be a part of the experience and to be part of the mistakes that you or your student may be making. I know it can be painful. Of course, we as parents don't want our kids to be hurt. We don't want them to go through the pains. But again, if you understand that it's all part of life, and just simply accept that, as long as it's not something that's life-threatening. Sometimes we do have to let them make those mistakes, and even as parents, allow yourself to make these mistakes. And hopefully, this will help you get a better understanding with what's going on with your child. Now, on to the topic for episode one. I pulled some of the local communities through my Facebook. And I asked them what they like me to talk about, and the general consensus is, "What am I going to do for the next three to five weeks?" Well, the simple answer is breathe. <sighs> first off, there's two aspects to this topic. The first is in regards to those people who need childcare during the times when they have to go to work, if they still have to go to work. And the answer to that will vary depending on your local community. But 
I know the ones that I'm part of, I've seen a lot of people step up and offer their services to help take care of your child for either a minimal or reasonable rate. Of course, I definitely recommend you doing your due diligence to make sure that these people are able to take care of your child. Now, the other part of this topic are for those parents who want to know what uh, actual things that they will be doing with their child while being in their homes for the next three to five weeks. If you're not freaking out about this, awesome. Go to our Facebook page and help us by listing some of the resources or some of the ideas that you have. But for those parents that are looking for activities, as you know, the internet is a great resource. It's also a great way to lose yourself as you're doing the searching. So I want to give you some direction and some things to hopefully at least get you going. I'm also going to post a basic schedule that we are doing with our child. Remember, this is not exactly what we're doing on a minute-to-minute, day-to-day basis. What I mean is you'll notice that we get up at 8 a.m., we eat breakfast at 9 a.m., etc., etc. We are not getting up at 8 o'clock on the dot. In fact, this morning, we actually got up at 9 o'clock and everything got delayed. But it's just a guideline so you can see that a majority of the time that you'll be spending with your child does not necessarily have to be intensive academically. I named this podcast Play, Think, Grow because I'm a big proponent for the importance of play. A recommendation for me would be for those of you that like to read to pick up Play by Dr. Stuart Brown. And he talks about the importance of play in our survival. We misunderstand play as just a thing that kids do, But in reality, it's something that adults and all living beings need. And through play, we're able to achieve a lot more. If you think about it, your kid probably would much prefer to go out to play, to go on their video games, uh, their iPads, whatever, to play. And while I understand that parents are concerned about the addiction aspect, What I'm saying is think about how we can use this element of play to our advantage. After you play, we'll think about what we just played. Now, we don't do it necessarily consciously, but we definitely do it subconsciously. If we can bring that thought process out and really reflect upon it, it allows us to grow. And I think that's an important element here. The purpose of education should be to allow our future generation to become the best that they can be. It's not to show off how smart they are, but instead what amazing leaders they can be. And the way to do that is not to fill them with a bunch of facts that they don't care about, but instead to teach them to become contributing members of the society, of the community that they're a part of. So if you notice in our schedule, there's about four time slots for which I have the kids to play. Now, some of it will be unsupervised and some of it will be supervised. But you didn't list which ones are supervised and unsupervised. Again, 
Education is a process. It is an experience. Every student will be different. Every child is different. Even though we have twins, our twins are as different as night and water. I don't say night and day because they're, that's just complete opposites. Night and water have nothing to do with each other, just like our twins. The overall purpose of this schedule that I'm showing you is not to say this is the only way to schedule your day. Instead, it's a way to present to your child, your student, in such a manner that it is less stressful for both you and the student. If they feel like, wow, this day doesn't seem full of menial tasks that I don't want to do, they're more likely to accept it. But this is where your job as an educator becomes fun. Because this is where you will have to do the research and the work to figure out how to interject lesson plans into different parts of the day. How do we teach sense of responsibility during the time when they are learning a game? No, I didn't say that wrong into a time when they're learning a game, not when they're doing chores, because that's when they're expecting a lecture on responsibility. But perhaps during chores, they can learn something as simple as counting or as something as advanced as uh, chemistry or something as advanced as molecular biology, if you're aware of such topic. So the schedule is just like I said a guideline if they are really interested in doing a particular activity don't just go oops it's one o'clock it is now time for lunch you can push on you can branch off the activity into something that's gonna happen later after lunch or whatever that circumstance may be for those of you with older students I understand that is a little bit harder because they already have their own life and such. However, what I've come to understand about a lot of my older students is that they want to be a part of whatever family activity they have. But a lot of students don't know how to express what they want. A lot of times it's because they actually don't know what they want. But most of the times, it's actually because they're afraid of the response. They're unsure if they could say, I want to play video games. They're unsure if they say, I want to watch YouTube, what the response is. Or actually, in their mind, they're sure that the response is going to be no, or you can't do that. This is where the third pillar comes in. This is where... You, as listeners, as parents, want to take some time and talk to them and find out what it is that they get out of playing video games and watching their favorite YouTube personalities. For the older students, obviously, uh, playtime will look a little bit different. It can still be something that is very important to bridge that gap. Like I said, I recommend parents to find something that the family can play together, 
but still allow your teenager to have their own time. Now, in terms of learning, for the younger ones, like my five-year-olds or anyone that I would say seven, eight-year-olds, the learning can be done through play. But for the older ones, this is where you're going to have to call upon some outside resources. I will be offering tutoring for my communities, and I know other people are offering um, tutoring as well for their communities during this time. I also know that the schools will not be stopping their teachings. They just happen to be moving them online. There is great apprehension as to what that means and what that entails. But as I've said, this is an experience for everyone to go through, allow the teachers to make their mistakes, and allow time for the students to get used to this online learning process. Having said that, if your student, if your child was not big into going to school, then most likely this online process will not make their experience any better. If your child loved going to school, then it doesn't really matter that it happens to be online. So what are we going to do for the next three to five weeks? We are going to go through this together. We're going to be offering some resources on our Facebook page. There's been a lot of companies that are offering free or low-cost resources, and I'm going to share that link, but I also want to check out a lot of these links for myself before I share them all with you. But you already know how to find these links. The question is how to get your child to respond in a positive way. And that, as I keep saying, will be an experience. It will be a learning experience for each and every one of us. And remember, mistakes will be made. It's okay. Learn from those. Tell your child that we're all learning through this process. And this will be a great way to begin communications with your older students and letting them know that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to not know. As always, any process will take many iterations to fine tune. So I'm going to challenge all of you listeners to go to facebook.com backslash straight A consulting and tell me what you thought about the first episode. What are the things you like? Tell me what are the things you'd like to see in future episodes. And most importantly, tell me what questions I can answer in the next coming episodes. Like I said, I have a few guest speakers that I like to bring on, but I want to see where my audience is at. I have a game called Dixit, and it's a great way for families to play together and there are lots of lesson plans that can be learned out of that you can look online or you can just come up with things as you play be open to the experience be open to learning new things about you and your child but more importantly be open to having some fun if I get enough subscribers on this first episode, I want to give away 
an edition of the Quixit board game that I was just talking about. It's a fun board game to play and you can develop some curriculum around that and share that with the rest of our audience. And with that, I want to thank you for listening to our first episode. It was quite an experience for me as well. And I learned a lot and I made a lot of mistakes. Fortunately, I'm not including them in the final broadcast. But know that this was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. But I learned. And I hope that with this coronavirus epidemic, we can look on it as a chance to get closer to our kids, get a better understanding of where they are, and really become an integral part of their growth. And most importantly, as a time when we can all get together and play, think, and grow. Have a good night, everybody.